From a purely economic point of view, then, the solution to the problem of overpopulation should be immediately apparent. The ownership of children, or more correctly, the trusteeship over children, had to be privatized. Rather than considering children as collectively owned by or entrusted to society, or viewing childbirth as some uncontrolled and uncontrollable natural event, and accordingly <coughs> considering children as owned by or entrusted to no one, children had to be regarded as entities which were privately produced and entrusted into private care. Moreover, and finally, with the formation of monogamous or polygamous families came another decisive innovation. Early on, the members of the tribe formed a single unified household, and the intertribal division of labor was essentially an intra-household division of labor. Now, with the formation of families came the breakup of the unified tribal household into several independent households, and with that also, of course, the formation of several or private ownership of land. That is, the previously described appropriation of land was not simply a transition from a situation where something that was earlier on unowned now became owned, but more precisely, it was a transition where something previously unowned was turned into something owned by separate households, thus also allowing for the emergence of inter-household division of labor. Consequently, then, the higher social income made possible by the ownership of land was no longer distributed as was formerly the case, namely to each member of society according to his needs. Rather, each separate household's share in the total social income came to depend on the product economically imputed to this household, that is, to its labor and its property invested in production. In other words, the formerly pervasive communism might have still continued within each household, but communism vanished from the relation between the members of different households. The incomes of different households differed depending on the quantity and quality of invested labor and property. And no one had a claim on the income produced by the members of a household other than one's own. Thus, free riding on others' efforts became largely, if not entirely, impossible. He who did not work could no longer still expect to eat. Thus, in response to mounting population pressure, a new mode of societal organization had come into existence, displacing the hunter-gatherer lifestyle that had been characteristic of most of human history. Let me just end with a quote from Ludwig von Mises, who nicely summarizes this. He says, private ownership in the means of production is the regulating principle which, within society, balances the limited means of subsistence at society's disposal with a less limited ability of consumers to increase. 
by making the share in the social product which falls to each member of society depend on the product economically reputed to him, that is, to his labor and his property, the elimination of surplus human beings by the struggle for existence, as it rages in the vegetable and animal kingdom, is replaced by a reduction in the birth rates as a result of social forces. Moral restraint, the limitations of offspring imposed by social position, replaces the struggle for existence. Thank you. Welcome to the Noted Bitcoin Podcast. This is your host, Bitstein, a.k.a. Michael Goldstein. This episode of the Bitcoin Rabbi was recorded in late February, uh, but we had a few technical difficulties which resulted in loss of audio. Um, and on top of that, Pierre was unable to join us. Even so, we have over an hour of a conversation about the Rabbi's experience uh, as a merchant using the Lightning Network and some thoughts on Bitcoin, Judaism, and other traditions. Without further ado, here's the Bitcoin Rabbi. So... As far as uh, receiving payments, I don't even remember right now if I currently have it set to one confirmation or zero conf, um, because you know it's just uh, a, a nice user um, experience to like have it, you know, to have the zero conf go through, um, and they get the email, I get the email, and then it, I mean I'm anyways like. I'm not a huge operation, so I'm like sending out books, you know, one, you know, one time a day. So I kind of check to see if payments have gone through. I've never had any payments uh, not go through within like 24 hours, but it it might be set to one confirmation at this point. I don't remember. I feel like I've experimented with both. Um, The lightning payments, uh, lots of times people will try it like once or twice. Um, and I mean, lots of times it goes through right away immediately and has no problem. Uh, but sometimes people have like emailed me and said, oh, I tried to do a lightning payment and it said not routing or something. And then they tried it the third time and it went through. Um, so there have been, uh, you know, people trying different things. And I have some interesting stats about, uh, the different, uh, use cases that people have, um, for lightning and on chain. So I have, um, let's say, I'm ballparking here. I'm like uh, estimating, but there were about uh, 500 uh, separate book orders um, on my website. Now, some of those are for one, some of those are for, you know, bulk uh, for um, like uh, bulk orders as well. Um, But out of that, uh, uh, almost half were Bitcoin payments. So like half were fiat. And let's see, about uh, 90 lightning payments were um, lightning, 90 Bitcoin payments were through lightning, 125 were oh, on wow. chain and the lightning payments average cost, um, was $23 at the time of the purchase. So I first was calculating in Bitcoin, but then I realized that that didn't make sense because, um, you know, the price was changing each time somebody did it, you know, over the course of the past year and the, and the average mm-hmm. price of the on chain is $38. So $23 for lightning $38 for on-chain. So that's like shows you over the past year kind of where the 
on-chain versus lightning uh, preference was adjusting itself somewhere between around $30. Like if you were making a above $30 payment, um, you would want to use lightning or you would want to do on-chain. And if you were under uh, $30, give or take, you would be more interested in doing a lightning payment. So that is the, that's the stats I have at least. Yeah, did you have any interesting outliers, like someone paying for a much larger order with Lightning or a much smaller order I with Bitcoin? I didn't, you know, I don't have, I mean, the smallest order that I have was like, you know, $10 or something, I think, when the book was on sale. So there's not I like... And, and that's actually... That's actually something that would have been reasonable on chain uh, at at various times because there were plenty of times where one satoshi per byte was. More yeah, than there plenty are plenty of those. There are lots so. of payments of like ten, somewhere between ten and fifteen dollars that are on chain, and I don't have the the stat in front of me right now, but I'll get back to you on what the most expensive lightning payment was done. Um, that's an interesting uh, question, but I I just don't have that stat in front of me. Yeah, with that in mind, if uh, if you're willing to share, what was the? Uh, have you had like a single biggest uh, order of books? Someone who is, I, I guess, you know, uh, you did have the campaign to get uh, one in the hands of uh, many congressmen. Yeah, so that I mean, that was probably I think somebody did pay. It did buy like over a hundred books then, but people have ordered. People have ordered. Wow. Um, 50 or 100 books like to resale because that's basically you know i i'm just it's not in any stores at least not yet so some people have ordered and they you know get it at a at a wholesale price um and some people have given i've heard like uh, uh, one person um said like i'm you know they work in some investment uh thing and they are trying to get their clients to get to you know invest in you know crypto and he's like i'm buying 30 copies and i'm giving them to every all of my clients so that kind of thing uh we've have had that and i did sell them i uh i was at um i was at a conference at the magical crypto conference and so i sold them in person there i had like uh i don't know 150 copies and and just sold them either one by one or some people came and bought 10 whatever i had different different options um so yeah a lot of people do buy in bulk and give out like you did that and uh I've had a number of people uh, want to do because that's the that's like the kind of the point of the size of the book. It's a it's only a thousand words. I think it's thirty pages, and so it's the kind. It's more. It's like almost like a pamphlet, a booklet. And the point is, it's like you don't need to learn, you know, the 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 faults of uh, Bitcoin and the advancement, uh, the faults of fiat and uh, the advancements of Bitcoin. Like, you know that this is something to to give out to other people. Uh, so a lot of people have taken advantage of that. Like that was kind of my purpose and I, I priced it accordingly. Right, right. So I'm curious to hear more about, you know, what it's what it's been like dealing with lightning because I'm sure you've had lots of good experiences and lots of bad experiences. Um, if you had to go back, would you be accepting Absolutely. lightning again? Yeah, I'm very happy with. I mean, the only the 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 difficulties with lightning um, are were just getting um, liquidity, but if you get liquidity, so to to accept payments on lightning, you have to have you have to get uh people to uh open channels with you and have uh bitcoin facing your direction so that you can receive it so a lot of people who uh when you've got a node that's up for 
uh, for months and months and people are buying stuff from you, they'll actually just open channels with you. Um, so there was one point actually where I had, I don't know, something like 20 or 30 channels open. And I had, I had like, I could have routed, I don't know, something like two Bitcoin, you know, a lot of value could have been routed uh, between my node. And I was like, you know, I'm, that's a little bit more than I'm actually comfortable with. Um, and like, I don't need all of this uh, tied up on lightning. So I, I, I cut it down a bit. Um, but once you like get that set up, I mean, Pierre offers liquidity, um, BitRefill offers liquidity. Uh, there are a couple other places where you can get it. And then people, a lot of people just, if you ask for it, people will open it uh, with you or people that are using your service. Uh, and maybe it's the first time they're making a payment on Lightning and they will want to uh, to open a channel with you. So that was... That was probably the most complex uh, aspect of it, which is not, I mean, lightning payments are much preferable to Bitcoin on-chain payments because you don't have to worry about the fee. You don't have to worry about the timing. Um, and those are the primary things. I mean, Bitcoin is not, you know, the, the, the Bitcoin blockchain is not a payments network. It's not a com commercial payments network. It's just not. It's a global sell settlement network. So, I mean, we are still in kind of the honeymoon phase where you can, uh, you know, kind of do it for fun, but that's not at all what it, the, the way that it functions, but, you know, online payments especially need to be instant. Uh, Jack Mallers talks about this a lot that like, that's what, uh, you know, lightning makes it, um, I, the way that I think of lightning and the way that I like conceptualize and try to explain it to people is if you could, um, hand somebody a, um, open dime, you know, have you, have you used open dimes before? So I actually, I don't uh, own one. I don't have one physically, but I think that's the way to, to, to imagine it, that you just can hand it to somebody else. They have it. They can verify that that is, you know, however many sets it's supposed to be. And you don't need, it's an instantly, um, you know, the transaction occurs instantly and doesn't require any on-chain transaction. So just take that and, you know, digitize it. That's, that's what's happening there. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, I, I think I've heard Rodolfo uh, refer to open dimes as uh, lightning network. Uh, yeah, that's a great space. way to. Yeah. Either way so. to if you understand <laughs> lightning network, then, uh, you know, then you can apply the understanding in either direction. Yeah. So, uh, you know, besides liquidity, have there been, uh, you know, other difficulties just getting your node up and running? Um one thing that I've I've been kind of concerned about with uh, you know running Lightning on a BTC Pay server instance is um, sort of the backup problem. You know, uh, backups in Lightning are still uh, there, there's the channel backups now in LND, um, but it's still a complicated issue, and it's actually like a point of uh, you know contention from. Uh, the haters of, you know, what kind of hardware you might find yourself needing if you want like a, a super resilient. Yeah, uptime. so I'm not sure. The truth is I'm not absolutely certain how the backups work as far as BTC pay server running on a... Um, on a Luna node. It might be different if you're running it on your own hardware. Um, and uh, actually, that I am thinking of switching. I went from my first Lightning node was just running on my MacBook. I was using Pierre's node launcher and running it there. And then I realized that I didn't really need that. And I wanted 
BTCP server, which was a bit more complex to do on your own device. And, you know, you need better uptime and, um, you know, a dedicated IP address. So I, I switched over to the, um, to using a hosted node. Um, but I'm actually considering, I think the next phase is uh, to get a dedicated um, hardware device. You know, there's like the Noddle or the um, my node or, or very, you know, some kind of uh, Raspberry Pi node in a box uh, version. So I am thinking to do that. And I don't know what they've developed as far as the, the backup, but I have had not anything to do with my, um, with my um, Bitcoin, with my BTC pay server, but I have had a uh, loss of small amounts of funds from a uh, lightning wallet crashing. Um, I don't want to name any names, but you know, it was something when they tell you to be, uh, you know, that it's reckless. Uh, you know, there was a, a, a few sats that did uh, get lost in a, in a, you know, not backed up in early, I'm talking like almost a year ago. Uh, so, you know, that is, yeah. that is something. Well, we thank you for yeah, your exactly. Uh, you know, making all of our sats exactly. Worth that's really it's not it. something I, I was going to cry about. It wasn't, you know, it was I because I, that's the thing I've used and tested as many of the all of the wallets just to see what they're doing. So, um, I mean, most on my desktop and and iPhone, I don't have the Android only uh, whatever wallets are Android only. I haven't been able to use those, but uh, I've gone you know through the list. And I actually wanted to talk about just the experience for the listeners if they haven't uh, tested out you know the various different um, Lightning wallets that are just for personal use as opposed to BTC Pay merchant services. Um, you know mm-hmm. what the differences are and how how to use them. Yeah. So uh, real quick before we move on, my understanding of BTC Pay Server backups is there really isn't much of a setup now. And if if you want backups, you're going to have to set up some kind of uh, you know job to be copying over information from the LND uh, directory uh, somewhere else, um, which itself can get complicated uh, so that you don't have... Uh, um, you know, overridden uh-huh. data. Right. Yeah. Cause there's uh, the, there's the issue yeah. that you can't just use a, a, a not updated backup, which is not, you know, nothing else right. in computer science works like that. Which means every time that you use anything. No, on it's it, not you even if to... you, because it's, if somebody, if it, not even when you use it, because if you are, um, if you are um, routing, then every single update, just that anybody does that routes through you changes it so it's not when you oh right that sorry sorry that's more of what i meant is any any action on the lnd which can happen at any minute uh, or yeah so it's not just like oh i haven't made any transactions since yesterday so my so my backup from yesterday should work it's like no it's any single second without your if you have those i mean the default settings are that you can route and that uh you know transactions can have happen to you, um, you know, using your your node. So then, yeah, it's 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 different than all other types of backup that I'm aware of. So I don't know where I don't know where L and D is holding right. with that, or where BTC Pay Server is is holding that. But I've been running my BTC Pay for ten months, and I don't know. I I do you know cash out from Lightning to on to you know to my uh, whatever cold storage or on chain um, regularly. <laughs> Um, as long as I just have enough liquidity there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the, where it's currently holding. I mean, that certainly seems like the safest way to back up. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in a way. But uh, yeah, if, if any listeners have any updates uh, on on the sort of state of BTC backups, that'd, that'd be great to hear about. But um, yeah, I mean, moving forward, so you've you've used a lot of these wallets, including um, I believe both custodial and non-custodial. Um, what what have you enjoyed seeing? What have been some of the best UXs? I won't make you name worst UXs, but maybe if there's something about the UX that you don't like. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So there, there are kind of different categories. Um, so the, I think the one that I'm using, uh, primarily and have been for the past, uh, six months or so, ever since they launched, uh, you know, the first beta is uh, breeze. And so breeze, uh, they, uh, I, the UX is that they really hide all the whole difference between lightning and on chain from you. It's not an on, you know, most of the wallets are on-chain and lightning and you are responsible for setting up the lightning and setting up the channels and you know balancing them and this wallet uh, basically hides the on-chain and you can't you don't even have an on-chain wallet in the app uh you just have they set up a um an a uh channel to you and they give you liquidity and when you want um they give you incoming liquidity so that you can receive payments immediately. And when you want outgoing liquidity, you send to them what's called um, a submarine swap, um, which is you send a Bitcoin on-chain transaction to them, to their you know on-chain wallet, um, and then they just push that over Lightning to you. Um, so it's very you know the the first thing about lightning that people uh have the weird experiences okay uh, you tell somebody to set up a wallet and then they say okay and now i want to send you a payment well you can't receive a payment until you get uh incoming liquidity so that's what breeze did and i think that there's i haven't used it yet but phoenix wallet is a um Android only, and I think that they're going through that same path. So there are, you know, there are um, scaling challenges with this because they are every single user. Um, they are tying up liquidity and just giving it to you essentially for free. Now they might be making it on the back end with because maybe they're they're taking, you know, they are your router, so they're taking a portion of the um, of the routing fee, and they are, you know, have in app. Um, affiliate links to services so that you're going through them um mm-hmm. so i assume that's the the model um but it's probably still so early that they're just trying to acquire users but so that is i i have found that for just beginning getting started up i made a video about um uh i don't know a few months ago like how to get set up in under 15 minutes you basically just need to want wait download the wallet and wait for one bitcoin uh confirmation one you know on-chain confirmation and then you're ready to go and start using and spending and receiving so those two are the like trying to make it the most uh, user friendly uh, breeze and i believe phoenix is doing that but i haven't used it first um and then after that um there is uh what i'm using zap uh for both on desktop and on um and on mobile, and I've I've set it up both ways. Zap can be its own um, its own wallet that's either connecting to your own um, uh, your own node on your software, and that's how I had it originally with Pierre's Node Launcher. Uh, but then when I didn't want to have my hard drive with my uh, node, you know, uh, with the um, 
you know, the uh, 300 gigs or whatever it is connected and updating all the time on my laptop. So then you can just direct it uh, to be a like user interface for your BTC pay server. Um, and I think Zap can also use right. Zap can also um, run Neutrino, so it's you know running as like a light client. Um, but still, you have full control over um, your channels and your liquidity and opening channels and closing channels. It's got more of a view. And then Zeus is just an iPhone app that is very similar. I'm not sure if it is a fork of Zap or something, but it it works extremely similarly. Um, and so those are you those I mostly use now as like an interface for my BTC pay server. Yeah, shout out to both Jack Mallers and Evan Kaloudis. Um, yeah, I haven't met yeah, I haven't met Jack. I haven't met Evan yet, but I, I he's in New York, I think, so I definitely gotta hit him up sometime. Yes. Um yeah, I've I've enjoyed using Zap as sort of a uh remote um client for for my lightning node. Right. And then um that's it. that's been most of my experience with yeah, it. Yeah, so then there are um there are the um browser wallets. So uh Ride the Lightning um is uh is a great um it's it's also like a uh BTC pay server. That that's how mine is set up. I'm not sure if you can set it up to other I, I guess you probably can. But Ride the Lightning is gives you a lot more view of the node. It's not just like a wallet. I would say Ride the Lightning is more like a dashboard. And, exactly, and, yeah. and all the others are kind of wallets. So Ride the Lightning is, I guess, if you are a routing node, you can set your, you know, it gives you an interface, not just to your wallet and spending and receiving, but to the whole, it's like a, a dashboard for the Lightning nodes itself. Um, and then kind of on the opposite end of that is the is Jewel, which I don't know if it's technically a fork, but it's stylistically copied off of um, MetaMask, which I'm told is some kind of Ethereum wallet. I don't know. I've never used Ethereum, but I'm I'm told it, it's a browser extension um, that goes into Chrome. And then what's really nice about that is then if you're on websites and you're actually, um, you know, just clicking pay, it's just right there. And you can give it um, like allowances of how much it can pay. So that's a cool thing. I don't use that as much. Um, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I use most, I'm still mostly just playing with, I'm not actually buying or spending much with lightning because why would I, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I, 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 uh, you know, I like to buy and hold Bitcoin, not to spend it, um, which is the economically right, intelligent I've, I've thing to do. Yeah, I've typically seen Lightning as as basically we're we're preparing for later, but I, I don't actually want to uh, be spending right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jewel Jewel is uh, quite beautiful. So Will Beern, um, I believe, uh, it, I believe he was working on MetaMask or something, and then um, you know he he became more Bitcoin focused, and now he's he's been working on on Jewel, um, and it's very slick. Um, I have to at least give uh, the the Ethereum crowd some credit on their uh, sort of design skills. Um, yeah, you know, and you know, have, and they have quite you know, a bit it's of great. I mean, as far as security, you know, that's. I mean, it's good security for Lightning, um, but the idea that you would have like your main account set, which I bet a lot of people do with Ethereum, like they've got their Ethereum wallet connected to uh, uh, a web browser which doesn't sound like the most secure thing to me but it's great for lightning where you're dealing with you know 
micropayments and 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 you know change pocket change basically it's pocket change for your browser yeah, yeah yes well especially since um you know if, uh, sorry lightning uh makes use of macaroons um, which, like you said, you can give allowances, and later on, I know L and D has produced. I think they call it the is it the the macaroon bakery or something like that. They've got great basically, names for all of these things. Yeah, yeah, and basically with macaroon, it's it's very granular uh, authentication system. So you can say, you know, I I want this node to be allowed to send this much money per day or something but it, it gets way more granular than that you can get as granular as you want and so it actually does start to make sense to be able to connect all of these different you know like a browser extension because it's like yeah it can connect to your your lightning node but it literally only has the permissions to spend like five dollars mm-hmm. and so you, you know even if someone hacks into your browser or whatever there's there's only so much they can take from you like five bucks um, so it's, it's not as much of a risk. Um, and, you know, meanwhile, you, you mentioned like, you know, if you're just in a browser, it has that, uh, hooked up. There's also the, I, I, I don't know how, how well it's developed over the past few months, but I know they were working on uh, web, web LN, uh, to make LN URLs. So basically it would allow the browser extension to be able to recognize that there are lightning invoices, on a web page, so it can more seamlessly interact with it. Um, so uh, you know that that might become very useful over time as this develops. Uh, you know, part part of the problem of you know not wanting to spend is uh, it leaves so much of this in a more of a sandbox territory for a lot of us. Um, but we can imagine that in the future, you know, you know, let's say that uh, web stores more web stores have lightning and we actually do want to spend our satoshis well we can just show up and the the interface would be you know very simple and it would just you know give a pop-up is like are you okay with sending money to this website uh of this amount and it could remember certain uh preferences and you know every time you want to buy it gets closer and closer to a you know amazon style one-click buy based on uh preferences you've already set and being able to recognize what's in the website itself yeah, the the thing about you know Bitcoin using Bitcoin as uh, co- commerce, uh, you know, for merchants is that the more the more that people want to hold Bitcoin, the more they're going to accept Bitcoin as payments. Not yes. the not the other way around. That's the and this I've had this conversation with dozens of people, um, you know, in person and in private chats and stuff. That it's it doesn't work that people will want to hold Bitcoin because they can receive it. Um, it, it works that they want to hold it and then they will make an effort to receive it or like give discounts to receive it or, you know, something like that. That's the direction that this goes. Right. Well, and the other, the other difficulty here is when you set up a business that accepts Bitcoin, that doesn't automatically mean that people are going to want to spend their Bitcoins either. Um, and so, you know, I, in many cases, it's probably you know, wise to to continue to accept fiat if, uh, you know, a certain amount of cash flow is necessary if you haven't provided something that has ac- adequately proven itself in the marketplace to uh, inspire hodlers to give up their Bitcoins. Although I'm impressed to say, you know, I, it seems like you actually have uh, come up with a good that people are willing to part with 
uh, quite a few Satoshis for. Yeah, I think it's, you know, and a I have nice, for it, I, I guess it is like a nice, uh, I mean, a lot of people are, are paying, more people have paid with fiat than with Bitcoin. That is a fact. And I mean, it's available on Amazon as well. And so definitely, I would say at this point, I think it was more early on there. And big, that's the thing, Lightning was still very, very early in early 2019. Now we're like, you know, when Pierre's uh, node launcher came out in December 2018, that's when it like was the first time I could get lightning working. And so we've had a year of people to play around and experiment. And I think it was like the nice like, you know, 10 to $15 price range where people that's what people wanted to experiment with lightning. Um, But uh, yeah, it's still, you know, it's a it's not the, I, I wouldn't be putting my money that that's going to explode and be a big thing of, of Bitcoin acceptance. And I've heard that from people that they're like, I made a, a website and I want to sell stuff and I want people to pay me in Bitcoin uh, and they just don't want to. And I can understand that. I, I usually don't except for, you know, some type of rare novelty. Um, but a, a Another thing that you have to deal with, it, which is very awkward, is that if you are doing um, Bitcoin uh, merchant acceptance, is that there's some times where you actually have to sell Bitcoin, which is very uncomfortable and not, you know, and like, I don't not I'm not a trader. I don't like time the market or anything. And you just have to accept that, that you are riding the volatility and sometimes it doesn't work to your favor. I've had that. I've had to work both ways. And you kind of just assume that, you know, number go up in the long run and that you'll be better off, you know, uh, receiving more Bitcoin, you know, that this is just another version of stacking sats. Um, But it has, you know, there have been times where uh, like the, I I mean, I pay for the books in with a credit card. And then at that end of that month or whatever, I I sometimes will need to, to put as little as possible, you know, I'm trying to make that, put that on me. Um, But it has happened. And so that is a, Something that people are, that's why a lot of people that are, you know, uh, really making their businesses and accepting Bitcoin just have to immediately liquidate, which doesn't do anything to help Bitcoin uh, if somebody is accepting mm-hmm. and then just immediately liquidating. I mean, it probably helps their taxes uh, to, to their, the, you know, to, to do that, which is extremely complex. And I'm still uh, trying to figure out all of that complexity of re- receiving Bitcoin and then and then if you have to sell it all that it's it's a working progress yeah yeah i mean the important thing here is you know businesses do have like actual cash flow needs and they have liabilities that they need to pay for and um you know this is probably also a big part of you know why it is uh when you say it, like it's because a business wants to accept bitcoin that's when they're going to start um accepting it um and they they kind of have to because how else like you're gonna want you you have to pay out for the actual goods that you're selling right um you have you have your your whole supply chain and everything uh you have to overcome all of those hurdles where you're gonna have to go back into fiat anyway um your goal is just hoping that at the end you get to keep some of them um because otherwise a lot of those pains uh, is just gonna be too much um if you're not actually interested in Bitcoin. And that's why I think a lot of uh, companies that were doing what you were saying, where they just immediately liquidated, a lot of companies over time no longer accept Bitcoins. Um, And I don't think that's uh, a problem with Bitcoin. I think it's a problem with just the fact that the, uh, 
you know, not everything is priced in Bitcoin yet, you know, and and most of the world is still on fiat and you just kind of have to accept that. And so a long-term strategy is more uh, focusing on just, you know, stacking sats uh, for a future where we believe that uh, the number of goods that will be available uh, for Bitcoins because people want to get their hands on Bitcoin uh, will increase. I want to give another, uh, I have a couple more wallets that I would be remiss if I don't mention. Um, it is So oh, Blue do. Wallet, I, I think is a phenomenal um, wallet. It's for the iPhone. I don't know if it's for Android. And I love it just as a as a on-chain wallet. Now, the the Lightning is by default um custodial uh and you know a lot of people have used that uh just because it's easy and you don't worry about liquidity or anything uh that's not my favorite that's not so interesting to me but it's nice that people get to try it out um i have you know dabbled with that but i think that they're um every, all of the features that they have around their on-chain wallet are are really top notch so i'm really a, a fan of blue wallet and what they're doing um and there is a way i have not figured it out to make to connect similarly to with the other wallets to make a um uh, a lightning node like on your computer and then connect it to the blue wallet but i haven't quite figured that out um wallet of satoshi is i think android only that is another one that is custodial doesn't you know if people want to try it fine doesn't interest me that much and then finally is i guess one of the first ones that i use um is is lightning labs and i'm still waiting for an update with them i think they've got a really beautiful um you know, a beautiful design. Um, but I found that there's is, uh, they haven't found yet the balance that they're trying to make it user friendly and yet, uh, customizable. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, they just uh, had a big round. So I'm looking forward to seeing the next, uh, edition of, of that, the next update on that. It's been a few months since they've uh, released a, an update. So I think that something good is probably going to come from there. Have there been any wallet UXs? Uh, like I said, you don't need to name names or anything, but have there have there been any patterns that have just been uh, unpleasant for you that you you think uh, are, are a problem um, that future uh, devs should take note of? Um, it channel management is uh, a difficult thing and you have to decide how you're going to give that to the user i don't think there's going to be a one take all of set a uh, design style of how users are going to want to do their their wallet um i think a lot of people are might just end up with custodial because they don't want that at all and that's fine um you know for solid i'm not sure how the legality of that works by the way i don't know i don't understand how a wallet is being a custodian and isn't like a registered uh you know custodian or something i, I don't get that so i'm still not totally comfortable i mean whatever people are playing with lightning with small amounts of money so if it all disappeared it's not going to be so major um but i don't think that there's one size fits all i think that there are going to be some wallets that give you full custom cu customability of your customization of of your lightning node basically like they are more like a dashboard yeah and then there are going to be uh like for power users um but uh, another thing I was thinking, and some that are just easier, but another thing I was thinking about is that 
most of the time, most of our payments, um, you know, people talk about the the um, layout of the Lightning Network, that it's like a, a hub and spoke and that it's, you know, more centralized. It's not distributed like the Bitcoin network. But when you think about payments, that's really how the payment networks of the world are. You know, I do 10 times as many payments with uh, or yeah, 100 times as many payments with my grocer than I do with, you know, with my grocery store than with anybody else. Most of the majority of my payments in my life are with Amazon. You know, I'm not doing many payments with my neighbors or even my friends. Like how often do, does right. a friend pay me? Maybe once a month to split a bill or something like that. But it makes sense to optimize the system that the pe- that the places and the channels that are actually payments are occurring will um be optimized for that. So I think it kind of makes sense. I think it's overblown. You know, there was a recent uh, um, post about that uh, from Christian Dickerson. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I'm messing up his name. Um, But uh, he works for Blockstream. He's working on Sea Lightning. And um, uh, his name is Snike on uh, Twitter. Yeah, Snike. Oh, uh, Christian Decker. Yeah, it's Christian Decker. That's a, I was mixing up... um, uh, Dickerson with the D- D- Desiree Dickerson from Lightning Lab. So, um, so you know, they put out a not it wasn't like a FUD article, but it was saying you know Lightning is more centralized than Bitcoin, and you know there are hubs and spokes, and it's like yeah, we kind of knew that, and that kind of makes sense. Um, so whatever, it's you know it's still working, and like it's not. I don't see it as a as a major issue. Um, but uh, yeah, that's I'm happy with Lightning. I think it's working and going at a great pace um it's so much better than it was you know a year ago and uh there are the fact that there are so many different teams working on it both at the protocol of lightning and at the you know absolute user interface and the like business side of it as well like you know um that that um bit refill is like so involved in you know making channels making liquidity providing liquidity like there are just a lot of people are working on this and they're all doing it basically at this point uh, as, you know, preparation for, I don't know, five years down the line, 10 years down the line, uh, whenever people actually do want to start using this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, you know, regarding the centralization thing, I think you make a very good point. Um, and I think this is like one of you know many times where people um, have their vision of decentralization and they they have a, almost a sort of utopianism where they just are able to imagine their mind where uh, the world is completely flat um, when in reality, you know, people do, you know, tend towards, you know, more, more, you know, clustered kinds of, you know, behaviors and, you know, like you said, going to the grocery store a bit and it would make sense to, you know, just save on fees to be able to open a tab with my grocery store so that, you know, I, I know over six months I'm going to be spending this much money. So let me put in uh, kind of this much liquidity that I can take out for my like I can I can exit that contract whenever I want. Um, you know, these these are sort of natural patterns that would emerge, and um, I, I don't think that it's it's damning as a whole. And on top of that, you know, uh, for for this, you know, uh, I say power users, but I, I hope uh, that it's not merely power users that are running their own. Uh, full nodes, um, even if they don't have um, full 100% custody, uh, say, of on-chain Bitcoins, they're only the recipient of a Lightning channel or something, they still, by virtue of having run a full Bitcoin node and a Lightning node, um, are able to have 
that the same kind of certainty about their money as anyone else who's using the Lightning Node, uh, the Lightning Network, um, which which is really cool, um, cool change in how things are done. Because yeah, like uh, you know, anyone who can run a full node uh, has that ability to have uh, a a pretty high level of monetary sovereignty yeah i mean you compare um, it to the system the system now the entire financial system is completely centralized completely custodial and 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 um and fractionally reserved and and debt-based and so to go to completely i mean bitcoin on chain is completely if you want it to be non-custodial uh you know full uh full reserve i mean lightning that's just it's not it, it's not scalable too. You can't have that be every single transaction of everything in the world. Lightning is an excellent uh balance between the two in in my opinion. You know, it's not perfectly uh you know perfectly decentralized and and uh and non-custodial, you know, but it, it's still it's non-custodial mm-hmm. and it's it has all it has advantages of you know instant finality and uh and and also uh full reserve that just are make it much better in lots of ways uh lightning transactions are much better than bitcoin transactions and in many many ways they are better than uh you know the the current system yeah uh at the very least it still drives me insane just the the very idea of sending my private keys over every uh over a web form every time i buy something online which is effectively what you're doing with a credit card um it's 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 absolutely absurd and then everyone has to sit uh worried about chargebacks and and all of that well that's even that's that's even kind of an exaggeration because you don't even have the you don't have the private keys at all those that's just like your login they still they have all the private keys you know they they, your money in the bank or in the credit card or whatever is all custody by them just sending my passwords yeah exactly uh you know to your coinbase account completely walk into my coinbase account and and take what you want leave me some when you're done so uh the other thing i'm excited about though is seeing um you know more more financial uh focused institutions like uh, river financial uh building out lightning for deposits and withdrawals and it's just there's something really comfy about seeing uh lightning uh just get further embedded into the bitcoin economy um you know as a way to just uh you know yeah there's this medium exchange buy and sell and there are excellent companies that have popped up in the past like 12 months or so. I, I'm actually an advisor um, for um, Give Bitcoin, which is now Swan Bitcoin. So I figure they said, you know, like Bitcoin Rabbi, you like to give out Bitcoin and, you know, for bar mitzvahs and people's weddings and stuff like that. Our company is people can buy Bitcoin and they can give it to your friends. That's it. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll do. That sounds like a good company to to support. So, like they, you know, they're they're doing, you know, they're not involved in Lightning at this moment, but there are just a bunch of ways to uh, get Bitcoins. And the unfortunate thing is that these that that like River and what uh, Jack Mahler's is doing with what's it's Strike now, and there's, there's another one called yep. um oh, oh, Spark. Spark, I think, is is another thing they did. It's purchase purchasing Bitcoin and pu- purchasing Lightning directly, which I think that's kind of the future. That's another idea of not having to deal with your channels because if you're purchasing Lightning directly, that they're 
you know, opening the channels you're not even dealing with on chain. I think that's the, the, the future of it. Um, but so all of these companies that are, that I want to be using and testing out, I live in the people's Republic of the, of New York. And so, so many of these awesome Bitcoin companies, I actually have not been able to test myself in with real transactions. Um, but, but I'm amazed that so many of them have, uh, started in the past, you know, 12 months, like a lot of stuff has been, is being built out. Yeah. Well, you, you are always welcome to come visit, uh, the more civilized States to see how, (laughs) how the freer men live. That, that reminds me actually. So we, we, I was, uh, talking with, I was spoken to, uh, Gary, uh, you know, who's in charge of the, who makes the, uh, bit block boom. I'm like, Oh, Gary, I I so want to go. I watched, you know, Michael's speech last year and, uh, I saw the videos and everyone is having a good time. Uh, it's, but it's, it's hard for me, uh, uh, you know, because it's over, um, you know, mostly over Saturday. Um, so like that's Shabbat. I can't like do so much stuff. Uh, you know, usually you spend most of the day uh, in synagogue or, you know, praying or various uh, Shabbat activities. So I'm still not totally sure. Uh, it's, you know, a lot depend on my, like I could make it happen, but a lot is dependent on my wife. Uh, you know, if she, Basically, if Bitcoin, like, we got to get the the price up so that she's, like, feeling (laughs) really good, you know, like, if we've got all-time highs in the next, like, month or two, she'll be like, go, go have fun with your Bitcoin friends, like, (laughs) don't don't worry about me, everything's great. Not that I would spend any Bitcoin to, to go on the trip, that wouldn't be necessary, but it would just be, like, feeling good and, like, be happy about, you know, sending me. Uh, you know, away and leaving her with the kids for, you know, a whole weekend. Um, so I, I, I would love to, I, I know so many people now in, in the great state of Texas, uh, so many great Bitcoiners that like, I feel like it's really, uh, I'm not quite like in the tribe if I don't uh, make an effort <laughs> out there to, uh, to at least, <laughs> I'd, at least watch you guys eat steaks. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> uh, I would have to uh, figure out my own kosher, uh, food situation, but uh, it's it's still in the cards. Like I'm I'm work I'm pushing on the idea. Right. Well, it, it is uh, for what it's worth. I I believe it's much easier to find uh, kosher food in Dallas than it would be in uh, many other parts of Texas. Uh-huh. Uh I you know I think that the future for you will be. Uh, I, I'm curious. Like given given Sabbath rules. If you started a Skype session um, prior to sundown, uh, would you be able to uh, tune into a a live a live stream? No, we don't. We we totally turn off all like electronic stuff like that. Any okay. kind of yeah, we don't like watch screens or do microphones or anything. It's okay. Just like I mean, you leave the heat on and the lights on in your house, but like all I know the that electronic there's stuff around. Like uh, uh, ovens and stuff. Like if you if you keep it on to keep food warm. Yes, so that that's pretty. Tr- keep the light on. Yes, those are things. But we like it's anything okay. that you're like interacting with. Also, it's about gotcha. things things that make sounds. Um, so like you're not you like if you leave your TV on, then it's just playing, and you're not like uh you're not you don't have to talk to it you don't have to do anything but it's making sound and it's like imposing on the atmosphere as opposed to like your lights being on or your oven being on are not uh you know as they're not as uh active uh so that's like where the where the line is drawn yeah i think the 
I, I guess it sounds like there's there's that specific actual like line in the sand because uh, I know I was I was in Israel and uh, it was Shabbat and I noticed that the the elevators were still running. They just keep the doors open and just have them go up and down. Yeah, you just have to hop in the elevator this, on its way up and down. Yes, this is an interesting. It's a little bit controversial. Some people are for it, some are against. But um, that I mean, yeah, that's a big debate amongst rabbis but that's kind of the thing is that you don't touch any buttons you don't uh you know control anything it doesn't adjust to you it just goes and it goes on every floor um and you know some people that live like in uh, high risers or something they just wouldn't be able to live if they had to you know there are certain places mm-hmm. in certain buildings where you just can't go up and down like 16 flights of stairs so uh that that was like you know some of the rabbis uh determined that that's considered it doesn't make sound it doesn't bother you it doesn't react to you it just does its thing and you just hop on and hop, hop off but you know not everyone like it's that's 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 like right at the limit that's like right at the edge uh where, yeah. where it's up for debate all right. Well, Rabbi, I tried. I tried to figure out a solution for you. <laughs> yeah, we well, hopefully yeah. there's something else we could come up with. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll figure something out. Weekdays. I got six, six says <laughs> six days a man works, and on the Sabbath he rests. That's uh, that's that's what I got. Yeah, maybe for you. maybe if the price uh went high enough, people wouldn't mind doing uh, conferences in the middle of the week. Uh huh. Yeah, whatever. It could also be that, you know, if there was enough stuff to do Friday and Sunday, it's still in the cards. I just would be missing the bulk that's in the middle. But like, you know, if there's enough stuff to do around it, th- Thursday, Friday and Sunday, it might still work out. And then I'll just watch the, uh, the the stream afterwards to catch up the actual speeches at the, you know, at the conference. Right, right. It's possible. Well, speaking of all this uh, Sabbath talk, I mean, one of your, you know, obvious main focuses being a rabbi is uh, connecting Bitcoin and Judaism. And that was sort of the focus of our podcast last time. Uh, My question for you is just sort of, uh, how have those studies progressed? Uh, Does Bitcoin remain kosher? Oh, Bitcoin is is glot kosher. It's uh, that's that's means uh, you know super kosher. Yeah, I mean, I've actually uh, in the since we spoke last time, a lot of developments in you know stuff that I've done. Um, just you know, connecting all of these things. Uh, the main you know, if you go through my uh, Twitter and you like filter out all of the jokes and like moon lambos you'll find every once in a while i do the bitcoin parsha sometimes i just write like a thread about connecting the weekly torah portion um other times i'll do like actually a video and like a reading of of parts of the torah portion or or like of some jewish laws and and see how they compare um i've given i made my presentation um Bitcoin and Judaism, which is like a 45 minute presentation going through. It's kind of like the adult version of my book. Uh, that's That was like part of the inspiration for writing the book is I had this presentation that goes through the history of money. Um, and then I connect it to like, where do we find money in the Bible? You know, Abraham and buying, uh, f- uh, buying a field for silver and uh, various laws of, I mean, mostly about uh, silver coins, um, but even how, how uh, money has progressed some ways it's progressed some ways it hasn't like there are still uh, applications of of where we specifically use silver coins in uh judaism today um so like uh i actually have on my website i've collected all of the sources that i found um for 
uh, rabbinic uh, sources talking about Bitcoin specifically. So I've got like a page called, you know, Jewish Law um, on my website. So that is, I've spoken to a number of rabbis about uh, various things about, you know, Bitcoin on Shabbos and, uh, and, um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about the, you know, the, the, nature of technology and how it's uh, used for very, you know, positive and negative things and to kind of not look past that when it comes to Bitcoin, because a lot of negative uh, actors have been involved in the space. Just this week, uh, a, 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 a Jewish app called Azoi, which means like how to do it, like it's a Bitcoin, it, no, I keep saying, it's a Jewish app that tell you know talks about how to keep sabbath how to do kosher how to do various uh jewish uh practices and they were hacked um and you know the hacker requested bitcoin and like so i actually spoke to them i explained to them you know what it is not to feel so bad about it that it happens all the time don't you know look badly on on bitcoin they understood and they actually learned about like how you know different how the transaction works how the the you know the um addresses work and how you can see the transactions and things. So they were interested to, to hear about that. Um, I did some fun stuff. I did wrote a, a, a cute little Bitcoin Haggadah, which is just like took verses from the Haggadahs, the little prayer book that we read at the Passover Seder, which talks about the exodus from Egypt. And I just switched that all out for Bitcoin stuff. I went to uh, the Crypto Springs uh, conference in California in Palm Springs uh, last fall, and I blew the shofar for them. <laughs> and I you know, proclaimed, proclaimed jubilee throughout the land. Uh, with the uh, with my shofar, which I was told by the, I thought I was being so smart and original, and then the guys at the the Bitcoin, the Tel Aviv Bitcoin Embassy were like, "Come on, man, you think we're not? We haven't been doing that for like the past five years. Like, give me a break." So uh, right, they, need been, to, they need to give a shout out to the diaspora. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I said. I was like, maybe I'm the first uh, diaspora <laughs> shofar blowing at a Bitcoin conference. I did a uh, uh, a Bitcoin uh, Hanukkah menorah lighting with um, with Adam Meister, uh, you know, on Hanukkah. Uh, and one of the things I've been doing, not you know, so much actively on Twitter, but just in my personal life is giving out a lot of uh, bar bat mitzvah Bitcoin gifts. So there's a lot of uh, Bitcoin hodlers now uh, in in my community, all the, the, you know, the bar and bat mitzvah kids that are getting their first uh, sats. And, uh, you know, kids are the best hodlers because they don't have any needs. They, you just give it to them, they hold it. And uh, that's, that is the best. And, you know, so far they're all, uh, Everyone's doing well, you know. It's been the past couple of years where price is up. So those are the fun, uh, you know, Jewish uh, Bitcoin and Judaism uh, activities that I've been doing. Uh, a lot of people like it because last, you know, apparently I f- people are interested in what like a you know goofy uh, Hasidic rabbi has to say about Bitcoin and Judaism. I like giving people to follow me on Twitter and, and, you know, uh, comment and like the stuff. And so it's been fun. Uh, yeah. know, I'm hoping that more, uh, you know, normies it's, we're still like the normies haven't come yet. The normies have not, uh, we need like a new all time high for, cause I've done four talks in the past year. I was hoping I'd do like 20, but they're not here yet. Like it's not on the news yet. So, uh, I'm ready, uh, whenever, whenever they are for like when the, Jewish community comes to me and uh, you know that's when that's when I'll be ready like that's already in my personal community which is small but 
one oh another one thing i did do i forgot to mention the um there's like a, a Jewish, not youth, but like a young adults and young professionals group in uh, the city that's run by an acquaintance of mine, an online friend of mine. And he made a Bitcoin Shabbat service, uh, not, you know, a, big, a Jewish service uh, and made the, the, the meal, you know, meal discussion, Bitcoin and Judaism themed. And I helped him craft all of the discussion around that. So that was fun, you know, reaching a lot of people, uh, you know, now I've got a... Uh, now the 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 net is spread out wider than just what my personal reaching right i think um you know one of the interests that we, we sort of see these cultural developments in bitcoin um where we see bitcoiners tending towards uh you know various ideas outside of bitcoin itself but that they find a connection to it and I think that traditional values are one of those things. And the reason being is that, well, it's like, okay, we were on the gold standard for the longest time. Like people treated gold as money. Uh, that is the traditional thing. It worked really well. And then they lied to us. And now we're stuck in this fiat hell. You know, what else did they lie to us about? And we look at we look at architecture and art and we're like, mm, this this Food this and health this. and everything. Yeah, all of these things. Yeah, it's like this just doesn't stand up. And so I think, you know, even for for Jews and non Jews alike to hear um sort of we see it with the popularity of like say uh stoic philosophy, where people really want to hear is like, oh, Marcus Aurelius was dealing with the same problems that we face today, and it becomes very helpful. It's like, yeah, uh, humans have been dealing with these problems for thousands of years, and Judaism is is one of many of, of these uh, traditions that can help us um, kind of uh, put put everything in perspective outside of the uh, fiat mindset. Um, and Judaism does have this this benefit of being, you know, thousands of years of sort of uh, just kind of straight scholarship, and so there's a there's a lot of of stuff there, um, and so I think I think that's uh, you know that probably explains a lot of the the popularity, uh, you know, from like I said, from Jews and non Jews alike, just being able to hear that like these are things that people knew, and we've kind of it's like forgotten knowledge. Yeah, I mean, there are two. So one, I mean, people are interested, uh, you know, Jews and uh, Gentile alike about what the Bible, you know, the Bible's most most uh, popular book in history. So it is interesting. And even <laughs> if they are also a lot of Christians that are in, that are familiar with it and familiar with um, some of the, the laws and, and want to hear like analysis. Um, so just to see somebody actually like diving into it um but also uh, traditional life is whether it's religious or just or cultural is um more much more low time preference um just in general uh than the high time preference modern lifestyle so i think there's an overlap and an appreciation there mm -hmm. of people that of regardless of the religious aspect of it, just of that right. focus of, you know, when you're talking about something that is thousands of years old in the past and, you know, that's clearly a, a low tie preference, uh, you know, a low time topic. It's something that's not just, you know, made up and the, the, all the, you know, the fashionable rage. Yeah, and people have like increased uh, anxiety over over technology 
and sort of what they perceive as like their addictions to it and uh, information overload and like all this stuff. And uh, it seems like, uh, you know, two of the groups, at least like in America that have, have done a pretty good job of, of uh, getting through that include um, Orthodox Jews and the Amish. So it's like they're, they're, you know, just empirically, there tends to be these, these groups that hold up remarkably well, um, even in, you know, the craziness that we're told of, you know, the current year. Uh, yeah, but so I don't, I you know, see... I, was, I told this, I was talking to uh, Marty, Marty Bent, uh, you know, on his podcast, and like, there shouldn't be a stigma that you have to be a religious, you know, uh, religious focus that that has to be your whole life is to to just get some of the benefits of you know taking things slow taking a break focusing more on family thinking more long term uh, uh, you know those are you know you can get that this is the from the uh uh you know san francisco gurus can also tell you that without any religion as well and you know sometimes it's you'll get good advice from there there's wisdom can can come from many different forms but uh i think people do right. like it but uh you know i don't want anyone to think that it means that i think people have to be jewish or have to be you know particularly religious to be living meaningful uh lifestyles yeah, I think a, a Talebian approach to that would be um, looking at it and it's uh, it's like a survivor thing. It's like if that wisdom has survived this long, there's probably something to it. Um, as opposed to this would be the difference to me of like getting wisdom from some old rabbi or a, or a, you know, an Amish guy or whatever uh, versus a Silicon Valley guru is... <laughs> Yeah. One of them has had to be changing their tune every once in a while, uh, <laughs> and including like you know microdosing LSD. Or something. <laughs> right? Yeah, like they were they were a vegan. Practices. They were a vegan for you know six months, and now they are you know on a microbiotic whatever. <laughs> All of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, you have you have uh, certain groups who it's like no, they've just been doing the same thing, and it's worked really well through thick and thin through all of these uh, different. Uh, times uh, of of various good and bad that humans have had to gone, go through, and that's sort of a it's a good signal for uh, the value of that wis- wisdom. So, um, uh, I, th- I think that's great. One of my questions regarding like the the research you've done specifically, as you you know in your, your Torah and Talmud studies, um, and I may have even asked this the last time. It's it's been over a year now, but you know I'm I'm when I see people referring to um, the old literature, what it usually is is someone saying like, oh, here's a ra- here's this stuff that a rabbi was talking about with regards to gold. And since we all think of Bitcoin as very similar to gold, this also applies to Bitcoin. Therefore, uh, uh, Bitcoin is is good. And it's, it's incorporated into the the uh, practice of the lifestyle in this way or whatever. However, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if there's been any cases where you've, you've looked at what rabbis had to say about a topic and you actually had to throw away a lot of what they said and be like, I, th- I think that they were actually completely um, going down the wrong path with this uh, thought and Bitcoin makes me rethink everything. Has there been a case of that? So I found it interesting that I thought that uh, gold was really gold is not money very pretty much at all in Judaism. 
that's the thing. Silver was is money throughout. Okay. Okay. That, so that's an interesting thing that I did um, find. Another, also, the idea of um, I've really been delving into, um, and I'm not totally sure about it. It's unclear because the thing about the the the, the Torah and the Talmud is that they're not, you know, history books recording history for the sake of it. They are um, ethical guides that occur around historical events that sometimes record them in context, but they're not telling you, you know, exactly the, that they're not meant to be records of history for history's sake. So Mm -hmm. it's unclear, like, for example, the word coin um, is never used in the Torah. Um, the word, the, just like the, the history of money from the Torah's perspective is not, uh, totally clear. Um, and you know, it's hard to compare it also to, um, the, um, like archeological record of, of money of like, when, when did coinage start? How was money, um, recorded, uh, you know, how was money developed and, uh, I get mostly coinage, um, but really it was all all um, silver and pretty much all silver uh, at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I've had actually a, a fascinating short discussion with um, with um, Nick Sabo about this, and he actually really kind of opened my mind to that perspective, which I didn't really because I didn't really think because now the word shekel means a coin, um, uh-huh. but it was not really talking about coinage or there's actually some debate of when did that start to mean a coin and when did that mean because the little world shekel means weight means measurement in hebrew um so it's a measurement of silver it's you know this many if you put a hunk of silver on a scale a shekel is this many grains of wheat of average grains of wheat you know whatever it is that's how you would weigh something um and and what and then how did uh, coinage start? How when did they start printing? Uh, you know, faces on coins. Um, and so there is a, uh, a there's like a slight reference to it. I wouldn't say it's exactly forex uh, in the Talmud, but it's saying when you're dealing with gold and silver, which one is the money and which one is the um, commodity. And so there's a kind of a debate of whether silver or gold it you know it ends up being that silver is considered the the money gold is the commodity because silver was more prevalent so these are the things um that uh, you know a, a few things that i've uh learned about and i don't know that we will some things are still kind of a mystery like i don't know that we'll have all the answers of what uh, what yeah. was used when, because it's just, that's how ancient history works. It's, it's hard to know exactly. Um, and there are different opinions. Um, but that's stuff that I, that I looked into and, uh, kind of changed my perspective on or, or, or was, had my eyes open to that I wasn't aware of. Is there anything that it kind of opens questions up completely that, you know, you, something that you think that perhaps, uh, you know, not, not to be hubristic or anything, but, to, to think that perhaps like every Jew before you failed to think about this because they didn't have Bitcoin. 
Or is that oh, something that uh, I don't know? Doesn't we, really that's, come up. That that mindset isn't really how you know Orthodox Judaism works. So like we we believe that the ancient sages uh, had you know divine inspiration. So I don't know uh-huh. that you know I which I definitely don't have you know divine inspiration. I'm just using my uh you know my my lizard brain to to figure out you know orange coin good uh you know but I don't think that it's there's anything really contradictory about it um Uh that like i'm like they didn't have it figured out um let me think if there's anything um more you know i i this is something that i wrote about recently um and uh i wrote an article called of course you can own a bitcoin did you happen to see that uh, unfortunately, no. So it was that there was something going around saying like you can't own bitcoins because a, a Bitcoin private key is just a number. It's a very rare, hard to find number. Um, so you can't own it. Um, and so that kind of uh, opens up the idea of property of both property rights and um, uh, into, uh, intellectual property rights, particularly. And that is a very, very deep subject uh, both in you know in philosophical law or phil- you know just philosophically how can you own an idea in jewish law in secular law um so that is something that i've been delving more into and i'm not totally sure how because there in jewish law there law there is according to most opinions uh, they they disagree how we get to it where there's proof for it or what what are the exact ramifications of of um intellectual property in jewish law just like there are different of opinions in in secular law as well um but in Judaism, there's like damages called uh, site damage. You know, there's intellectual property damages. There's uh, vi- uh, visibility damages. Now, most of that would be like if you are um, building a, a building and a person has a window there and you are damaging their visibility. That's one type of, of thing like that. But there's also like if you are building a building and it gives you a site into their house and then you're destroying their um their uh, privacy so that's called damaging by by sight so like seeing somebody else's private key that you're not supposed to uh is like i'm i don't i don't know all of these things that's one thing of uh of that also the idea of um like lost and found so lost and found is one like very critical jewish law um but there are like the examples given are like you know you find something in the street you you uh you know you um find something with somebody's name on it like how do those I, we did talk about this last year um how would that apply uh the main principle of of lost and found in Judaism is uh if, if somebody has a reasonable expectation of having it returned to them then it's then it's a mitzvah then you have an obligation to return it um if they don't have a reasonable uh, uh, you know uh, expectation then uh it's considered you know you're not that you're allowed to steal it but if it's lost and somebody else stole it and you got it third hand or something like that you know that it, it, it was it lost its connection of ownership so there are lots of applications here you know like i've said this that like I'm not the end all be all rabbi for deciding uh, these, you know, rules, whether sometimes Jewish law just defers to to secular law as well. It says, well, if that's what the country says, then that's what we do. It will be like if you are making your own court, you could make up the rules this way. But if you live in America, then just do whatever they say to do in America. Some some rules work like that. 
Right. So, uh, you know, my, my position with intellectual property uh, has, has been inspired by the work of uh, Stefan Kinsella, uh, an Austro-Libertarian uh, legal uh, scholar and IP lawyer who argues that effectively like intellectual property is, it, does, it has no legal grounds because quite simply you can't own an idea um, when you when you copy an idea, you are not uh, prohibiting the other person from being able to make use of that idea. Um, I believe on the Bitcoin question, he he stands on the side that uh, yeah, like you really you don't you don't technically own a Bitcoin because it's just a, a big private number. But obviously, since it's a big private number, uh, that a random number, it's it's going to be hard to uh, regenerate. Um, so I know that's an ongoing question, um, but I tend to. Uh, not rely on uh, intellectual property to defend uh, that case. I know uh, Conrad Groff has has also written on that topic a bit. Yeah, it's um, definitely. Those, of course, are coming from this is very complicated. Secular rather than from from Jewish uh, uh, legal traditions. Yeah, it could be from you know. I, I I'm not saying I'm I'm certain that it's one way or another, but these are the questions that I've looked into. That it, it how does ownership uh you know work out? So I wrote that owner in my piece just in short that like ownership as opposed to possession. Possession is one thing, and ownership is is basically a a social construct. Um, and uh-huh. that you can, the, meaning that's the difference between possession and ownership. Ownership is what we agree that you, as a society, and can f- enforce that you, and whether you say that's a, a construct of society or of government or of enforcing bodies or just of God and the creator that he says you own this or not, but that's different than possession. Um, and so you can possess something without owning it, own it without possessing it or, or, or any combination of those things. So whatever, I, I don't know that I have the answers or that Judaism has one has the answers or is, has a set answer of it, but this is something that I've looked into and requires more study. Yes. Well, it's certainly a, a very interesting uh, set of questions, um, and I, I also do wonder that you know over over time, like um, you know uh, the the justice system is going to have to deal with more Bitcoin cases, and it'll be interesting to see you know how, how these things are approached uh, when we get there. Yeah, and the Jewish um, legal system. There were, I think, the one major case was a. Uh, 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 in the Israeli court, which isn't the, really the Jewish, that's just the state of Israel secular uh, justice system. But there was like a divorce, and you know they were dividing up there. So Jewish law is definitely is going to be approaching these things more. I'm not aware of any uh, cases that have come to uh, rabbinical courts yet uh, in yeah. major issues, yeah, but well, they, and, and they're on their way. Certainly, that distinction between the uh, state of Israel and the uh, rabbinic system uh, must be noted because the the shekel definitely no longer means uh, simply a weight. Oh, sure. Of some yeah. Kind. Well, that's called the new. <laughs> that's the new Israeli shekel. Is uh, you know is a is a fiat you know coin made by the secular Israeli government. Um, and they've yeah. they've ruined it once, and they could ruin it again. <laughs> they, and, that, uh, there's a reason why it's called the new Israeli shekel, uh, as opposed to the meaning that was they had an Israeli shekel made, uh, you know, when they made the state, and then uh, and then uh, hyperinflated it, and then they had to make a new one. So they've definitely yeah, that was it. that was one of my talking 
talking point. I didn't know about that until I was in Israel. And of course, Bitcoin is all I talk about anyway. So I was right. just going on about it. <laughs> and uh, I, I happened to get on Wikipedia at one point during the trip. And I started just like going around. All these people had already ho- heard me rant about Bitcoin. And I was just like pointing out, you know, uh, like pointing at the coins and making rants like I was some kind of Israeli Ron Paul <laughs> about how these coins were not what they used to be and everyone should be buying Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of Israelis that there's, I mean, it's, there. Israel is like actually a hub. I mean, it's a hub of, of technology, but there's a lot of um, Israeli stuff, both in the greater crypto, you know, scam world and in the Bitcoin, you know, the Bitcoin, if you, if I could, I would uh, be heading to the uh, Tel Aviv Bitcoin <laughs> embassy having party that the, they showed some videos of the last one. And uh, I, I'm in touch with a lot of the, the people there. They seem like they've got a strong community there. Yeah, I, I ran into many, many people who are already quite knowledgeable about Bitcoin. And this was, this was quite, uh, this was years ago. So uh it's rather impressive. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're certainly at the forefront of uh, Bitcoin and Tron relations. <laughs> I think that's you know, sh- basically, yeah, that's basically just Udi. He's a one man wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, I don't think he has like a posse of people supporting him on that. It's, it's just him. But he, they did start uh, also not total, not Israeli centered, but Udi started a uh, Bitcoin VR uh, meetup. Uh, I've group. seen this. So I, my, I don't have a VR setup. I also though, so I can't, I can't my brother in. bought one specifically so he could join. He went to it and like hung out with Bitcoiners in a VR world. So that's like, that's pretty uh, on the, you know, edge of bleeding edge. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, it makes sense. It's, so like it's very Bitcoin, cyberpunk. Yeah, like yeah. it makes sense to have a, a, a digital money meetup in a digital world. Like that's I'm surprised it hasn't happened before, but it. Well, I mean, you know, Bitcoin is just in it's just an in-game currency. It, it, right, the, that's the that is uh that, that's where it is. I mean, that's and that's I think where we're uh, to to actually take that seriously. I think that's going to be a huge thing. Um, both you know, like what we talked about earlier about like kids being able to use it and just you know international use and stuff. Like, I think that's going to be a huge and a huge use of Lightning Network of like in-game currency. Uh, Bitcoin is the the world's engage you know listen we're all just letting we're all just ones and zeros you know if you break it down to the to the uh you know the 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 subatomic it's really ones and zeros there so uh this is the in-game in-game bitcoin is the in-game currency of the universe yes that's uh, uh, that's that's you that's uh that's what you get to when you uh go into the most esoteric kabbalist uh kabbalist readings uh, of uh yeah it's you the, know it's, monetary theory <laughs> i want to that uh it's ones yeah. and zeros and it's an in-game currency yeah just read the zohar guys <laughs> it's it, i haven't found that section yet but it, it's it's probably in there just keep, it's, looking. It's, keep looking it's, it's there prom- <laughs> I, I swear <laughs> Uh, I wanted to finish off. I wanted to say about uh, the holiday of Purim is coming up. Have you have you ever uh, uh, observed or celebrated Purim? 
uh, Michael? Uh, as as a kid, as a kid, I would go to the uh, Purim festival at the synagogue. Yeah, so it's one. It's like the most joyous uh, day of the year, and it's actually it's a pretty interesting. Most people don't understand or know the the story. It was in between, you know, the Jews were in Israel, and then um, the temple was destroyed, and we were exiled for a short period. There were two different time periods of the temple uh, and like of Jews living in Israel, and there was a an interim time where the, uh, they all like went, were exiled to. Babylon and Persia and like the whole Middle East. And uh, the story is basically that uh, they got too comfortable. Like the Jews were living as exiles and they got too comfortable and warmed up to the government and were like, yeah, we don't need, you know, our traditional lifestyle. The government will take care of us. We're just going to like go to their parties and hang out. And that's what it was is that they like went to uh, the king's party and partook of his uh, delights. And uh, that was the, then they were punished that it was a decree made that, uh, you know, that they were all going to be the, one of the advisors. Haman didn't like them and was upset. So he said, you know, I'm going to wipe you out. But basically, it's a story about not getting content with the oppressive regimes, um, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, lifestyle and forgetting about the traditional way of things are supposed to be. So don't let fiat, you know, uh, don't get used to it. It's only been here for a few years and uh, it's if we're believing it and, and you know, put strength, then uh, I, I believe that we can uh, get back to the way things are supposed to be. So that's my, that's the story of Purim from my Bitcoin perspective. Take it or leave it. So every every time the per- someone mentions uh, Heyman. Fiat, you know, yeah, shake there your, we go. Shake your grogger. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's it. <laughs> fiat, boo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's uh. So you'll see me. That's the one year. You know, I'm I'm pretty uh conservative in how I dress. Even when I'm like in the heat of California, or if I go to Texas, you'll see I'm you know a black black and white uh guy. You know, penguin suit. Um, but uh. But on Purim, I, I loosen up a little bit. I bring out my Bitcoin T-shirts and Bitcoin hats, all the stuff that I spend on Lightning. <laughs> I got it because I, you know, I, I'm pretty formal the rest of the year. But I, on on Purim, I, I bring it all out and and have fun. So that's when I'm that's when I'm like really the Bitcoin rabbi, like in in out in flag, you know, flagrantly. That's like out to the fantastic. World. <laughs> well, this is fun. This all right, great. Well- this has been a real pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, you know, I hope. Well, I hope it doesn't take a whole another year, but I, I can't wait to hear you know future stories about your your time uh, in the trenches of uh, you know selling things for Bitcoin and and playing around with Lightning and everything else that's going on in uh, in your world. Yeah, I will definitely keep you guys posted. I, it's a shame Pierre wasn't here. We could have gone probably for another hour, but uh, did miss him. <laughs> we will we'll have to catch up with him uh, next time. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Where uh, where can people find you online if they want to uh, hear more? And I'm on Twitter uh, six days a week. Uh, and, you know, I don't I don't tweet on 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 Shabbat, but I'm at at the Bitcoin Rabbi. Uh, I sell my book. Uh, Bitcoin Money, A Tale of Bitville Discovering Good Money on my website, thebitcoinrabbi.com. Pretty much everything, anywhere you can find me at the Bitcoin Rabbi, I'm there. Uh, you know, I, I like to talk to people and share, uh, you know, Bitcoin and Judaism and uh, whatever jokes I can think of that day. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. Take care.